is they would um, start and maybe do a lap or two around the track where we are we were going around that last bend in the track. We're, we're not there yet. But we're on that home stretch of the series that we have been looking at entitled Living the Dream, a series that has focused on the various qualities and attributes, uh, characteristics that are so important for us as committed, vibrant, dedicated uh, disciples of Jesus Christ to incorporate into our lives. Now, if you're comfortable being a passive believer, uh, these things probably are not uh, nearly as significant. But for those that truly want to live as fully as they can, as sons and daughters of the Most High, who want to experience everything that God has in store for us as his people, then these things that we've been looking at are just critical to our walk and our journey and our adventure with Jesus. And so we've looked at a number of, uh, of different qualities and attributes. We've looked at the importance of faithfulness and of, of perseverance, of the partnership that we have with the Holy Spirit, of keeping our anger in check, and of, of being a people of moral integrity, of recognizing the importance of regular prayer and of being good stewards of everything that God entrusts to us, of rising above the level of mediocrity that our society embraces, of knowing what eternity holds for us, of having a good and healthy fear of the Lord, of engaging in deference, which is simply uh, putting the needs of others above our own, of being a people who seek after, who yearn for heavenly, godly wisdom uh, rather than earthly wisdom, of engaging in that practice regularly, of doing sort of a, of a self-check, of, of, of checking within our own spirit to see how our walk with God is going. And then last week, we talked about the importance of worship, worship of a God who both desires and deserves our praise and adoration. This morning, we're going to look at a, a one more topic. Um, again, we're, we're into this last kind of final stretch. Um, but it's one that I think all of us can hear because it applies to each and every one of us because it's an area that we struggle with, and it's that topic of self-control, of self-control. Now, most of us, I think, probably do pretty well at this in most areas of our life but I don't think I've ever encountered anyone, at least that I'm aware of, who doesn't have one or two or three things that they just can't quite seem to get a handle on. Uh, they know the direction they want to move, they know the goal that they want to achieve, but they, they just aren't quite able to pull that off. And that can come in a lot of different areas. Uh, those things that we struggle with sometimes are, are anger. Uh, for some people, it has to do with food. For some, it's a matter of patience or judgmentalism or promptness. For others, it's, it's uh, some kind of, of addiction, whether it be drugs or, or alcohol. For others, it's, it's wrestling with respecting others or being engaged in gossip or, or practicing forgiveness. For some, it's getting caught up in the world of gaming or binge-watching. For, for some, it's uh, not doing enough physical conditioning that you know you need. Or for others, it's engaging in too much physical conditioning. For yet others, it's a, a, an issue of not having the level of compassion that you would like to have or, or uh, practicing far too much prejudice in your life or, or, or ignoring God's grace or being wrapped up in, in a consumption with lust or whatever it might be. The list is pretty much endless. And again, for almost everyone here, uh, there is one or two of those areas that, that we have tried to master 
We've tried to, to take control of that appetite or that yearning or that craving or that, that lust. And despite our best attempts, we just have not been able to pull that off. And so we're going to talk about this concept uh, called self Control. It's actually a, a phrase, an idea that's referred to fairly often in Scripture, though it goes by different words and different translations. Some places it's called self-discipline, and some versions it's called temperance. And there's a lot of verses that connect to it. One of the ones that I, I think speaks more specifically to it is, is as you look at a list of um, different qualities that the Holy Spirit gives to those who are followers of him under the label of fruit of the Spirit. We find that in Galatians 5, and it's a lot of different uh, attributes, characteristics that are there. There's, there's love, there's joy, there's peace, there's patience, there's kindness, uh, gentleness, uh, self-control. Self-control. And it's interesting because you, you have this list, and as a, as a part of, of this list, everything else seems to focus on our relationship with others. But this last quality, this last characteristic... That seems to be more focused on us. And I suspect that, uh, that uh, Paul and his wisdom under guidance by the Holy Spirit recognized uh, that if this last one isn't in place, that if we don't practice this idea of, of self-control, then, then the flesh ends up taking control of our lives. And as a result of that, these other qualities are very difficult to live out. And so we're going to be looking at this idea of, of self-control, realizing that, again, for most of us, despite our best efforts, despite our strongest attempts at willpower and self-determination, that at least in some areas of our life, we continue to struggle. We still find ourselves in bondage to. And so how do we overcome that? How do we tie into the victory that we have as Christ followers? Well, we're going to spend some time uh, looking at that, and, and as we move into that, um, you know, one of the things I think it's important for us to remember is that when we don't have self-control in our lives, and we don't practice that on, on a regular basis, that there's consequences of that. One of those consequences is that it tends to lead to sin in our existence. In the book of Proverbs, in the 25th chapter, we read this, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Uh, oh, we've seen far too many uh, images uh, in, in recent years of, of places that have been bombed out, have been destroyed. Here's a, a picture of a, taken from World War II. And as you look at this, you, you realize at this point you don't need a tank, you don't need a bulldozer in order to, uh, to break into somebody's home. You just have to, to walk over the rubble. You don't have to be a mighty soldier to do that. You could be the, the wimpiest infantryman and still be able to get into these homes because the walls are down, the barriers have fallen, there, there's nothing to help keep uh, things contained within that. And if we don't have self-discipline in our lives, again, as the writer of Proverbs said, it's like a, a city without walls. We're, we're open to any and every temptation that it seems like might come along and the result is, is that uh, sometimes what we find is that uh, things that, that maybe the world would consider little things uh, have a profound impact on our walk with God, even though uh, the world might even compliment us in some way. So you, so you have this example of, of this individual um, who uh, maybe they uh, end up um, 
too often exaggerating or fibbing or lying to a, a spouse or a coworker or a friend. Uh, they do that to make themselves look good. Now, they've never lied in court, and they've never lied to a police officer. And so um, they're pretty good people, aren't they? Or are they? Or, or you have the situation where you have someone um, that has looked inappropriately um, at another ind individual, a man or a woman has looked inappropriately at those of, uh, of the opposite sex, and, and yet they've never cheated on their spouse. So they're, they're doing well, aren't they? I mean, they're, they're living the, the Christ-directed life. Or are they? Or you have this individual that um, every April 15th puts his, his tax return in, in the mail, realizing that he's fudged a little bit on the figures, exaggerated a little bit here or there. I mean, everybody does it, right? And after all, he's never robbed a bank, so he's a pretty good guy, right? Or is he? You see, if we don't have self-control throughout our lives, it's these little things that can end up having a significant impact on our walk and our relationship with God. And we see lots of biblical examples of individuals that have not had self-control in areas of their life. We think of, of King David, a man after God's own heart, an individual that had really everything his heart could desire. But because of a lack of self-control, he fell into sin with Bathsheba. Or we think uh, of, of Samson. He was an, an individual that was a, a judge, had a respected position within the community uh, of God, uh, strongest man to ever live. And yet he had self-control problems in just about every area of his life and ended up paying the consequences of that. And so we see that, that without that self-control, without that self-discipline as a part of our lives, it's just far too easy to, to fall into that area of sin. And as we've talked about before, and there's a little quick refresher, what is sin? Well, sin is anything that's contrary to God's will. In James 4, we read, If anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. It says that we should know these things, and how do we know them? Well, in part we know them because uh, that internal moral compass that God's placed within each and every one of us. Sometimes we call it our conscience. It's that thing that guides us uh, regardless of, of what faith we might practice or what era we might live in. And so throughout history, we've always known it's not right to steal. It's not right to lie. It's not right to kill. It's not right uh, to cheat on our spouses. Those are just hardwired into us as an understanding but as Christians, we're given even greater insight into some of those things. Through God's Word, we have that, that, that tool that provides for us insights and understanding truths um, that the rest of the world is not privy to. But God allows us to have so that we might live the dream, so that we might live life in its fullest. And then also as Christians, we have this, this added gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that doesn't just exist out there or, or, or with somebody else, but lives within us to give us direction, to give us insight, uh, to, to speak to us when we're right on the edge of something and, and help us to understand what it is that God would have us to do. And so again, we see this, this reality that if we, if we don't have a good grasp on um, self-control, it, it's too easy for us to fall into this pattern of sin. 
And uh, if we're honest with ourselves, one of the other things we have to acknowledge is that sin really is a choice uh, that we choose in our lives now, we're predisposed toward it because of our fallen and sinful nature, but, but that doesn't mean we don't have choice. We always have choice on, on the things that we choose to say or to do or to think. There's a passage in James 1 that tells us this. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, it gives birth to death. But it's that first part I want to call your attention to. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by what? Their own evil desire. It's not that, they, it's not that Satan's made them do it. It's not that someone else has forced them into to thinking this or saying that or acting in this particular manner. It's, it's our own sinful desires that, that pull us toward those things. We make that choice. No one has ever put a gun to our head and, and made us have lustful thoughts or cheat on our taxes or things like that. We choose to do that. And what's interesting is that we, we do that thinking that we've got control. I mean, isn't that the, the, typically the path we follow? Uh, we say, you know, I, 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 I'm going to maybe just allow this to happen once, but it's not going to happen ever again. I'll cheat on my taxes this year, but, but it's only because it's been a tough year. You know, we've got the pandemic. Uh, things didn't come in as well as I'd hoped as far as income. Just this one time and then next year, next year I'll be back on track. Or we look inappropriate at someone, and, and we know we shouldn't do that, but our eyes linger just a little bit longer than they should, and we're, ah, I shouldn't have done that, but, but I won't ever do it again. Did it this time, but I won't ever do it again. Or we lie to someone because they, uh, maybe they thought we uh, did more work on a project at, at, at our place of employment than we really did, and, and we don't want to be looked on as poorly in their eyes, and so, so we let them believe the lie but we're only going to do it this one time. We're never going to let it happen. And you see, we think we've got control of it. But, but what happens? Well, that first time leads to a second time. And that second time leads to a third time and a fourth time and a, and a fifth time. And, and, and very quickly, what we initially thought we had control over, self-control, ends up resulting in sin control. We lose control of that. In Romans 7, it says this, for I know that good itself does not dwell within me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Haven't we all find ourselves, don't we all find ourselves in those situations? We want to do good, we want to be faithful to God, and, and yet it's, it's just a struggle, a, a challenge for us to overcome that. And so we end up becoming addicted to sin. Um, maybe sin in terms of drugs or other things like that, but just the nature of, of allowing our weakened state, our undisciplined state, and to have greater control than God would desire for us. And the result of that? Well, the result of that is death. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, if, if the struggle you have is, is maybe a chemical addiction or, or something like that, it can result in physical death. But even if it doesn't result in physical death, if we continue to allow that lack of self-control to have control of our lives, it separates us from our Creator. It distances us from God. At the very best, it strains our relationship 
with our Savior, and at the worst, prevent us from ever entering into that relationship with God. Now, the good news in all of this is just as sin is a choice, so is self-control. We can choose to pursue self-control rather than sin. In 1 Peter uh, 4, 7, we read these words. Peter's kind of at the end of his life here, and he writes, The end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Peter wouldn't have called us to to engage, to to reach out for, to strive for this essence of self-control. If it wasn't a possibility, that would be just God toying with us. The fact that we need here means that we can call out to God for this. We we can seek after self-control to be a part of our lives. Because what we know is that God understands. It's just kind of God he is. God is a God who knows our struggles and makes provision to help us out in that. I read of a, of a pastor who was going to be preparing a sermon on the same topic of self-control, and he'd announced it the week before he was going to, uh, to give the, the sermon presentation. And, and after the service, uh, one of his parishioners came up and said, you know, pastor, um, in this area of self-control, well, I've never had any trouble with the area of self. It's that control part that I have so much struggle with. And that's true for each of us. God knows that about us as well. And so he comes alongside us and he, and he partners with us and, and gives us what we need. He gives us what we need in the form of his grace. In Titus uh, 2, we read this. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live what? Self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. God allows his grace to be there for us. He allows his love to be there for us. Uh, one of my favorite, uh, all-time favorite verses in Scripture is from Romans 5, 8. that says this, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Folks, I don't know many situations, I don't know many people in this world that, uh, that would be willing to sacrifice uh, for someone when they're in, in their worst shape. They might do it when that person's improved, when they've got their act together, when their life is in, in the right direction, when they're a success or when they're prospering. But God takes us at our lowest point. God takes us even when we're struggling with this issue of self-control and yet still pours out his love for us. And then we see that God comes alongside us uh, through the strength and power of his spirit. In uh, 2 Timothy 1, we read, For God give, gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. So even though that may not be what's a natural part of our existence, God provides that for us. God gives us uh, that, that supernatural ability through him, not through us, Because what we find is that our strength is found in God. It's not in ourselves. I think we already know that, don't we? Despite what the world would say is that we're, uh, you know, we're, we're in charge of our own lives. We're, uh, we're the masters of what we do, the, uh, the captains of our own destiny. Uh, I, I know for myself, I don't even feel like a first mate. But, but we're, we're nowhere in control as we'd like to be in those things. And what we find is that even with the best of desires, even if our heart is right, that our flesh is weak. Uh, Jesus, when he was uh, talking with the disciples just prior to his crucifixion, said these words to them that apply to us today. 
Watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And yet, while our flesh is weak, our God is strong. In Psalm 73, it says, My mind and my body may grow weak, but God, God is my strength. And he is all I will ever need. And because God is strong, our spirits can be strong. You know, there's a great irony in, in, in all of this. Sometimes we have to become weak before we can fully appreciate and embrace the strength of God. Uh, Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians uh, 12, where he says, uh, But God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul uh, speaking again, For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And that doesn't make sense, does it? How can we be strong when we're weak? Well, it makes perfect sense. Because it's only as we come to acknowledge our shortcomings, it's only as we come to acknowledge that despite our best efforts at willpower and self-determination, it's only as we acknowledge that, that we don't have as much control over our lives as, as we would like, that, that we cry out to God that we turn our eyes toward him, that, that we open up our lives more fully to the indwelling of the Spirit. And as he comes in, as we give him more control of us, then these things that defeated us too many times in the past become submissive, not to our strength, but to God's strength and his power and his Spirit. And so I hope uh, as we move on uh, from this particular topic that, uh, that you realize that one of the qualities to be a vibrant, a committed, uh, sold-out disciple of Jesus is, is to have this aspect of self-control as a part of our lives. Can we do that in our own strength and own power? I can't. The people I've known can't. Maybe there's a few out there. But for the overwhelming majority, no, it's not possible in ourselves. But it is absolutely possible through the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. Let me close with uh, uh, a couple of things. First, let me give you one more verse because it, it, it illustrates three, I think, important points as we think about living this out. The passage is 1 Corinthians 13, and it says this. No temptation, no trial has, has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. What's this verse tell us? Well, first of all, it tells us that we're not alone. Regardless of the temptation, the challenge that we're being confronted by, we're not the first one that's faced that. Other people, other Christians have been there before. And you know what? For a lot of them, they've been able to emerge victorious over that. And so we find strength in that knowledge and that understanding that we can be victorious. But we're also not alone and that we're not facing this just by ourselves. As we've talked pretty much throughout this entire series, we are in partnership. We're in partnership with God through the Holy Spirit. The second thing it tells us is that we can overcome this. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. There is an option there. There, there is a, a possibility for us. He won't push us beyond uh, what's, what's conceivable for us to overcome. But we have to look to him. And then the third thing is that there's always 
another way. There's always another option. There's always a plan to be, no matter how difficult things might be. Now, we have to choose that door. Uh, there, there's another door that we can go through. We have to choose that in order to make that a reality in our lives. But God always gives us a way out. God always gives us that, that escape uh, uh, pod in our lives that we can, can find ourselves free from what it is that has been overwhelming, what has placed us, or perhaps even in bondage. God is there for us. If we'll but look to him. Let me close with one final quote this morning. It's taken from one of my favorite authors, Max Lucado, uh, in his book, When God Whispers Your Name. He writes these words. I choose self-control. I'm a spiritual being. After this body is dead, my spirit will soar. I refuse to let what will rot or decay rule the eternal. So I choose self-control. I will be drunk only by joy. I will be impassioned only by faith. I will be influenced only by God. I will be taught only by Christ, for I choose self-control. Folks, may these words be our words as well. May these words be our prayer. May we choose self-control so that through that, uh, we take more full and complete uh, control and mastery of our lives. And through that, allow ourselves to be used more fully as God's followers, to experience more completely all that he has in store for us this day and every day. Amen.